Morning, everyone. Right. Thank you, Steve, for reading the passage and the things I'm going to pick out from that passage, which is amazing. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. You know, there's a lovely intimacy and warmth and joy, isn't there, in those statements. We can easily conjure up the nativity scene. We think of Mary and Joseph and in Bethlehem. And even if we allow for what we understand to be the grittiness and the challenge around the birth of Jesus, we can still feel connected. It's the birth of a baby. We can get our heads around that no trouble but then later on he will be called everlasting uh, no wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace whoa now we're in a different realm altogether aren't we now we're swimming really on the edges of what we can even begin to faintly grasp we're all right with a baby a child is born to us, a son is given to us. But he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, I'm certain that those words were explosive and confusing to Isaiah's first hearers. That a child should be given such exalted names. But we hear, of course, we read the Hebrew scriptures, we read them backwards. We look back into the Hebrew scriptures through the lens of the Lord Jesus. And the incarnation, which we understand as God coming among us in human form, well, that's central to our faith. But it is faith, and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't examine it anew with wonder and with awe. An advent, the time of waiting, uh, thinking about that, is a wonderful opportunity to do just that. I'm going to think to start with about some of those first characters. Let's wonder what they thought about. So in Luke chapter 1 and verse 49, we read about Mary Mary, saying and understanding in her what she's saying, that the mighty one is holy and has done great things for me. Among other things, that's one thing she said. So she was certainly on the page. She was certainly full of faith. But I don't think she looked into the manger and literally thought, you are mighty God. Who knows what goes on in people's hearts and minds. And we do get that thing with Mary that she pondered things. And then in Luke 1 and verses 78 to 79, we're, we're getting now into the whole Elizabeth and Zechariah story. And they clearly had some incredible insight into a mighty thing that God was doing. They were really getting that and understanding it. But they weren't in the place of realising. 
that the mighty God was actually coming into their family, Elizabeth being the cousin to Mary. Maybe they were. They were inching their way towards some kind of understanding of what incredible thing was going on in their time. And we've got other familiar characters, haven't we? In Luke chapter 2 and verse 15, we've got the shepherds listening to the angels. And the shepherds, well, they were filled with faith. We know that because they acted on their faith. They did something. And I've no doubt that their faith went on to a whole new level that night. And they went around and told people what they'd seen. But they didn't say, mighty God has come among us. And it's that name that I'm thinking of particularly today. There's no significance that we're starting with the second one. It's just a practical thing. Okay. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 29 to 32. <clears throat> we've got Simeon and Anna in the temple. And Simeon saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Well, that's definitely a really special revelation that Simeon had there about who Jesus was. But even he wasn't quite saying he will be called Mighty God. And the other characters, the Magi, in Matthew chapter 2, <clears throat> They brought frankincense amongst their gifts, which is a symbol of <coughs> deity. And it would seem that somehow they'd got some definite insight. The Gentiles on the scene, that insight that was moving in the direction, perhaps, of mighty God. <coughs> it's like that with faith, isn't it? As we open our hearts, as all these people we've just talked about have open hearts to see what God is doing, what is he saying? We say that to each other. What is, saying, what is God saying to me here? What is he doing? As we really do that with open hearts of faith, our understanding does grow. Our hearts and our faith is stirred. And we do gradually come into a fuller sense of the truth of things, even things that are so mysterious and incomprehensible as mighty God coming among us. We move by faith. We begin to understand and embrace things through faith. And I guess that by the time the church was born, a few years after the events 30-odd years after the events that we are just reminding ourselves about, the people 
the characters that we've thought about, they had come to read Isaiah 9 with a revelation that it referred to Jesus. And thus, in Philippians chapter 2, the early church, this is a statement of where they were in terms of who they understood Jesus to be, just maybe 30 or 40 years after his death and resurrection. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6, though he was God, speaking of Jesus, he did not think quality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So this is where Mary and the other characters, maybe the Magi, maybe the shepherds, they were there in those early meetings and this is what they were understanding by then. And I suppose my prayer this morning is that as we meditate on this truth, which in some ways is probably familiar to some of us, but it's easy to say, oh, Jesus was mighty God. It's really good to just re-examine it, isn't it? And that it will sink a little deeper into our hearts. You know, these kind of things, I think Steve or somebody's already spoken about this this morning, that, that we might be expanded that our faith will grow, that we will feel thrilled with these amazing facts. I have this sort of picture of like a crack in the physical world. And by faith, we get to glimpse through that crack into a divine mystery. We see something a little clearer and we go away with our hearts lifted. Um, but let's start on, a, I, I've got a picture as well of a ladder. You know, when, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary, uh, she said to him, how can this be? And, and I think there's a how can this be ladder, which is really good to climb. How can this be? Coming from a heart of faith, that's a really good question. How can this be? So let's start on the bottom rung of the ladder. And maybe not very much up the ladder. What, what do you think of when you think of mighty you know those kind of games we've got games where there's a word and then you've got to put, uh, you've got to put a, a word or a phrase after it I think this is how pointless works I don't watch that but I, I think that's how pointless works is it I'm not sure um so and it's kind of like if you had asked a hundred people and you said mighty what you know what would they say and then you know you win the game if you pick one of the top five or something like that do you get that okay so mighty what call something out don't think about it. Mouse. Power. Power. Mouse. mouse. Yeah. I thought somebody was. Just, that's what I thought, Mighty Mouse. Mighty. 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 Oh, yeah. Mighty. Mighty. I was thinking the Mighty White, which I think is like laundry. Oh, right. You're into cleaning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mighty Strong. That's right. Actually, um, when I look, put this into Google, um, one of the very first ones that came up was industrial countries. 
mighty industrial countries, unassailable because of their size and wealth. They can do anything they want. Nobody can stop them. Mighty captains of industry, <coughs> Elon Musk, possessing great and impressive power and strength. I mean, that was not a game type thing. That was a serious thing, mighty. And in a way, that's, this is where we're at, isn't it? This is, this is our world, actually. Would be better if it was Mighty Mouse, maybe. It's good, you know, I think maybe we, ha we do have some positive experiences of limited power in our world. There are godlike qualities amongst people we meet and things we're, uh, we're involved with. There are people who use perhaps their limited power effectively and rightly, and we thank God for that. You know, now and again, I don't think it happens so much when the traffic gets snarled up. You know, a, a good old policeman will step out and, you know, direct things and, uh, and sort things out. But more often and more generally, we see power used to oppress and exploit you know, the very famous quote that power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Apparently that was said by somebody called Lord Acton and actually he was a Roman Catholic and he was speaking about the conversation that was going on. It's the end of the 19th century in the Roman Catholic Church because they wanted to declare the Pope to be infallible. And that quote was him arguing against that as a Roman Catholic within the church, but arguing against that, power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. But it's taken, been taken on as a truism in terms of political power and so on. And history is certainly littered with people who started well, with high ideals, but once they achieved a certain level of power, they become corrupt. We are very familiar with that and much of the word suffers because of that. Not so Jesus. He shall be called mighty God. But he used his unassailable power to become a human child and to live a life of humble service. He turned on his head how humans tend to use power. He modelled power being used for the absolute good of others. So I just now want to have a little dip. We've dipped into the characters in the Christmas story. I want us now to dip into the ways in which mighty God, that Jesus is to be called, is framed in the Hebrew scriptures. How is this God mighty? <coughs> well, Stee read Psalm 50. The beginning of Psalm 50 says, if you remember it, <coughs> the Lord, the mighty one, is God, and he has spoken. He has summoned all humanity from where the sun rises to where it sets, from Mount Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines in his glorious radiance. Our God approaches and he is not silent. 
in, in the Hebrew scriptures, we have a God, mighty God, who speaks, who declares himself. And he never did that so powerfully as he did in Jesus. The word made flesh. And for those who opened their hearts to hear, through Jesus, they heard God's voice. Jesus was mighty God speaking. In Zephaniah <coughs> chapter 3 and verse 17, we read, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. And we have everywhere in the Old Testament, of course, that God uses his might to save, not to oppress or exploit. And God used his might to save no more powerfully than through Jesus, who went to the cross to take our punishment and to make a way for us to come to God. Jesus was mighty God. He did what was needed to save us. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, we're just sort of thinking about mighty God. How is he framed? In the Hebrew scriptures, in verse 17, for the God, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God. This is the God we're talking about, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. Jesus lived out completely and absolutely the purity and justice of mighty God for all to see if they would but look. He condemned hypocrisy wherever he saw it and he praised honesty and within the context of the culture and the ways he did it, he really upset the norms. In Joshua chapter 22 and verse 22, this is what where we've got mighty God here all <coughs> uh, right sorry <clears throat> the lord the mighty one this is like a chant actually it was in within a particular context of a of an incident which i'm not going to go into the lord the mighty one is god the lord the mighty one is god the lord the mighty one is god it was like that he knows the truth and may israel know it too well, Jesus embodied truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in John 8, verses 31 to 32, he said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus was mighty God in his embodiment of truth. And I, I just really enjoyed looking into the, 
the old, our Old Testament and finding these mighty God references. And who is this mighty God? Yes, Jesus was like that. And there are lots and lots of ways in which we could carry on with that. But the incredible truth that we're gazing at this morning is that the child who is born to us, the son who is given to us, is to be called mighty God. Because God used his might to become human, a totally vulnerable baby. And he used it to suffer and to die and to rise again. Only mighty God could accomplish that. And perhaps, I, I was thinking of Cliff when I wrote this down. <laughs> perhaps no one expressed this better in poetry than Wesley in his carol. Our God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. They're amazing words. He laid his glory by. He wrapped him in our clay, unmarked by human eye, the latent Godhead. As we go on through the other names, other people over the next couple of weeks speaking on Wonderful Counselor and, and, uh, and so on, we will find <coughs> that, as Charles Wesley shows us here, the latent Godhead lay within Jesus. The whole Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit were entwined in this momentous endeavour to draw the whole creation back into fellowship with himself. And as we come to communion this morning, let's do so embracing by faith our belief in the mystery that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That the child who is born to us, the son who is given to us is mighty God. Praise him. Thank you.